0: I had to get really clear on my strategy, so I wanted to house hack one more time before I quit my job, and I wanted to try furnished rentals, and I really wanted to do a burr. And so I made really clear criteria for each of those strategies. I narrowed down on two markets, two new markets, Omaha and Des Moines, and then every day I talked to real estate agents in those markets and analyzed deals that only matched those investments.
1: You're
2: listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career.
1: Hello, great state of Arizona and the Western Seaboard. It's Marcus Maloney, and this is the ASRIA show. Welcome to another episode. And we have our executive director, Mike Delpreet, with us on today. How are you, Mike? Wonderful, wonderful. Great, great. And we have Sarah Weaver, uh, who's going to be with us on today. So let me just give you Sarah's short bio. Sarah is an author-speaker coach, real estate investor, and business owner. Sarah runs three businesses that serve both real estate investors and real estate agents. One of the things that I like about Sarah is she travels the country coaching real estate agents and hosting intimate retreats for investors to talk about a dream life. Invested Adventures, she hosts epic events for real estate investors all over the world. Sarah is taking... 18 investors to hike Patagonia, and 12 investors on an African safari. I wish I was one of those 12, Sarah. So Sarah owns a portfolio of 19 units in four different states, and she managed those all on her own, which are furnished rentals. And she's a digital nomad. So we definitely need to get into that. So Sarah, welcome to the show. How are you?
0: I'm really good, Marcus. I can definitely—I'll make your dreams come true. You can come on a trip anytime.
1: Awesome. All right, that sounds great. Thank you for the invite. I'm gonna hold you to that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I know I read your bio, and but let get people get a chance to know you uh, personally. Kind of, kind of introduce us to Sarah Weaver.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you for the kind introduction. I uh, I really identify as an entrepreneur and a traveler. So being location independent I think is a huge part of not only my story but also my lifestyle. So I have been fully remote for gosh over 8 years and then fully nomadic for the last 4 years. I bought a one way ticket to Argentina thinking oh you know this is this is just something I want to check off the bucket list. Maybe it'll last 3 to 6 months here we are four years later, and I still live out of a suitcase.
2: So so, so um, th- now there's different levels to this, it sounds like. So you went from remote to nomadic. Can you please help me out?
0: <laughs> yes. So I think to to help your audience understand, a lot of people have the ability to work remotely. So mm-hmm. you don't have to go into an office anymore. You can do your job from anywhere. Okay. And most people like have an apartment. And if they're in real estate, they probably own their their primary, right? Well, I set out when I was 25, I wanted a job where I could work from anywhere because wow. I didn't want an apartment. I wanted to like live in Portugal for three months and live in Mexico City for three months and live in Brazil for three months. By the way, I did all of those things. Cool, and cool. so oh, that wow. was remote. And I always like was going back to the U.S., signing a lease on something, even buying real estate, of course, living in it, doing the house hacking thing. And then one day I was like, why do I live here? Like health insurance is expensive. My car is expensive. Even my cell phone plan is like twice as much as it is in Brazil. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to give it a go. I'm going to try living in South America for a few months, really like, you know, Sell the car, sell the kids, sell everything. Just Mm, kidding, kids. I'm (laughs) single, single, no kids. Sell the kids. (laughs) Not judging. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm single, no kids, which allows this to happen. Uh, I I get a lot of comments on that. So um, I, I just wanted to like live fully remotely and nomadically, meaning I just can pick up and leave whenever I want. And to my surprise, I'm still doing it four years later. Wow,
2: no strings attached
0: not yet
1: <laughs> nowhere wow so so why did you sarah um so how did how did you get the real estate bug how did that come about because you wanted to move around and do everything so why real estate
0: yeah why like such a fixed location like actual physical yeah. assets um because i've always had this whisper of real estate my story i don't have like a profound conversation Yes, of course, I've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but there wasn't a one moment in my life where I was like, that's it. I'm going to do real estate. But I grew up with a dad who worked for a new home builder and my mom did new home construction cleaning. So she would go in after all of the subcontractors and clean up on these brand new builds. So I grew up in new construction, like playing on dirt piles, running through framed houses. And so you would think that would be, yeah, I'm going to be a real estate developer or builder or real estate agent. Nope. I went to school to be a journalist and I got a degree in international studies because I, of course, wanted to be an international journalist. Mm -hmm. Then I taught English in South Korea, and then I followed Love to Texas. So just like any country song. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I <laughs> that I was good at sales. And so I became a real estate agent God. because it's always a good idea to become a real estate agent in a town where, you know, no one.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right.
0: <laughs> and, and I think it was that moment that I realized, okay, the people that I feel like have true wealth, they own real estate. They don't just sell real estate. And then, and then I also had a mentor and she was doing what I now call the live in flip. So she was living in these houses, living in chaos, honestly, renovating Mm -hmm. houses in Austin, Texas. So she was being able, able to get in for lower down payments, live in a construction zone, and then either turn them into a rental or sell them. And so it was a combination of all of these things in my life that finally equaled, I'm going to buy some real estate. Okay.
2: So the, the live and flip was, so that's more like, you know, bypassing the capital gain idea if she was going to sell it, which is, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Exactly. It's like house hacking, right? It's, it's, it's
0: like, yeah, I call it like elevated house hacking, but, but also talk about delayed gratification. Um, like I, I mentioned, I don't have kids, but she did. They had, she had little kids in this construction zone. I mean, for weeks, sometimes months you're living without a kitchen or without an extra bathroom. And so it's the ultimate delayed gratification.
2: Yep. Love it. Awesome. So so you picked out real estate. So now the next step would be picking a strategy of some sort. So oh, you did as agent. I knew you're a real estate agent, but when in the investing world, what'd you pick and how'd you pick it?
0: Yeah. So the very first thing I did was a live in, I didn't flip it. I still have it as a rental, but I house hacked and I did a down to the studs renovation. So you guys will learn, I don't do anything like half, everything is like very intense. Mm -hmm. And so I took the entire upstairs of that property down to the studs with the help of my dad who happens to be in construction, but I had to figure out the market, how to purchase a property, and mm-hmm. and how to finance it. So by this point, again, this nomadic thing follows me. So I yeah, left so we're,
3: we're, we're trying so, to keep up with you, Sarah. <laughs>
0: exactly. It's hard. My parents don't know where I am most of the time. So <laughs> just just like any good country song, I followed love and it didn't work out. So mm-hmm. I was living in Denver, Colorado, and that was when I I don't know what it was, but it just was this whisper that said, you know, I really think real estate is the way to build wealth. So I started looking in Denver. Still to this day, kicking myself, I didn't buy anything, but I couldn't figure out how to make the numbers work. So I went home to Kansas City, which is where I grew up. And my first property was in Kansas City.
1: Got it. Gotcha.
3: Okay. Price points a little bit lower in Kansas City.
0: Uh, Way lower.
3: Yep. And a great rental market also. So, okay. I can see why you did that over Denver. Yeah. Okay. So that was your, your first property, so you did the live in flip, you sold it. How much did you net from that from that sale?
0: So from that property I turned it actually into my first rental. So I still okay. own that. I did the rent by the room strategy. So I rented each room on its own separate lease to a, you know, young 20 something mm-hmm. um cuz I was a semi young. I was like mid 20s. <laughs> okay. And and that was my first taste in passive income. I was like, wait a minute, like I get rent checks every month. And so, and I was spending, I think I spent seven months that year abroad because I had the remote job. So the day the renovations were completed, I bought a flight.
3: Okay. Wow. Yeah. So let's, let's kind of talk about the rent by the room, because that's something that's starting to become prevalent in the real estate space. So that property, was it, How was the location? Was it close to downtown Kansas City or was it by a college? Kind of give us some some demographics on that.
0: Yeah, so it's about 25 minutes from downtown, which in Kansas World that still is like quite the drive. <laughs> um there's there's not much traffic going on, but it wouldn't be necessarily a downtown location. It is an actually an A class neighborhood, which knowing what I know now, everything I've bought since then has not been in an A class neighborhood, but I knew that 20 somethings and families wanted to live in this neighborhood. It feeds into one of the best school districts. It's a really nice area, a lot of uh, college graduates, especially from the University of Kansas, which is where I went, a lot of them moved there for their first job. Gotcha. Okay. Okay.
3: And, and I was asking that, you know, just to just to wrap our heads around, you know, that, that co-living space, you yep. know, because you have to have, there's only a certain demographic kind of that that want to live in that environment. So that's why I was asking about the location. Okay. So you did that and then you went abroad. Where did you go?
0: That first trip was I went actually took my dad to Ireland and Scotland as a thank you for all of his manual labor, which I paid him no money for as you can
3: guess.
0: (laughs) shout out to all the great dads in the world that would do anything for their daughters. Uh, Also, I just didn't have a lot of money. Like, I think that that is a misconception with real estate investors is that we're just like rolling in the dough. Well, the reality is, is that like all of my savings was going into the renovation of that property and the down payment. And I'm a little stingy. So I still had a pretty large reserves, but I just live like I don't have money. And so that trip to Ireland and Scotland, I paid for it all with credit card points because oh, I used new you. credit cards to pay for the renovations. For the renovation. So I'm always hustling, you guys.
2: So, okay. so real quick, um, so once the rental was done and you had people in different rooms took off, so how, how was that? Did it work out pretty smooth in regards to like property management at first?
0: Oh that's a great question. So the answer is yes because I now self manage 19 units wow. from afar. So that very first property gave me the confidence that you can do everything remotely. Um something breaks, you text your handyman. Um a tenant has an issue, you pick up the phone and you call them. Yeah. And here's the really like cool secret about the rent by the room is that they find their own replacements. So their lease may end and maybe they choose not to renew. Well, then I give them like a bonus if they can find their replacement or the other tenants in the house, they actively want to be involved in finding their new roommate because they're going to have to live with that person. So I was even able to do turnovers remotely.
2: So yeah, Yeah. they're, they're, they're maybe, uh, you know, work at a restaurant or something. Hey, come live with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like well, well,
0: actually, the really nice thing is, is that 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 area, because it's an A-class neighborhood. I mean, a lot of times my tenants were making, frankly, more money than I was like they were high income earners who were likely saving money to go buy their own house. Because, yeah. again, houses aren't that expensive in Kansas. And then mm-hmm. completely unrelated to real estate, I actually deemed this house the marriage house. Mm-hmm. Everyone that moved into this house got engaged. I think it has a little bit more to do with demographic uh, it being the bible <laughs> belt and all but I, I I saw the trend and have commitment issues so I fled to Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting in this house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every every tenant moving into this house got engaged except for one. I mean it's it's truly I call it the magic marriage house. <laughs> wow, wow.
3: Okay, so so you had that property, you were doing the co-living. How did you roll into your next property? How did you find it and where was it? Was it in England? Was it in Ireland? Where was it?
0: Yeah, great question. So it, to, to not to disappoint, but it wasn't that far away from my first property. However, I wasn't living there at the time. So by this time, two years later, by the way, um, I was living full-time in South America and I learned the power of investor-friendly agents. So I contacted an investor-friendly agent in Kansas City, uh, met him probably through you know, a RIA or a local event and told them exactly what I was looking for. And this time I didn't want to buy in an A class neighborhood. I wanted to buy in a B, maybe B minus C plus neighborhood. And I wanted a multifamily. I wanted to do what David Green calls the stack. So buy a single family, buy a duplex, buy a triplex, buy a fourplex. And so I knew I wanted to buy a duplex and this investor friendly agent found it actually on the MLS and it was um, it was perfect, hit the 1% rule. It was a great turnkey long term. Okay,
3: uh, let's see. So you found that through the through the realtor. How did you find a realtor? Because a lot of people, that's what they say. Well, maybe I don't have any money, and I don't want to waste the realtor's time, and you know, just make a lot of excuses.
0: I think at, after two years of seeing how much my property one had appreciated surprisingly being in Kansas, obviously I wasn't buying for appreciation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Seeing how much it appreciated and then just really feeling the power of principal pay down, like noticing that every single month, not only was I cash flowing, but then I would look at my loan balance. I'm like, wow, this is like really cool. Like I know that there's other people out there doing it, but at the time I wasn't in a bunch of masterminds or networking with other real estate investors. Frankly, I was like living in a beach town in Brazil, living my best life, and just had one rental property. But over time, you start to think, okay, I think I'm onto something. I think that this is how I'm going to build wealth.
2: So, okay, a couple questions. Yeah, so paying down your mortgage, having a tenant pay your mortgage and pay it down. So appreciation is luck, and equity build build up is from your tenants, which is just the true equity there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's amazing. So, so now you're traveling. So how are you getting loans?
0: Yeah, great question. I'm working for American companies or US-based companies. And I have a W-2 that just allows me to work from anywhere. And that was very intentional. Like in 2015, I actually wrote in my journal, I want to be location independent. And then eight days later, I got a job that I had for almost five years. And she said I could live anywhere.
2: Love it. Wow. Yes. That's a key piece, especially if you're tra- as a be, be traveler and wanting to continue to buy property by leveraging bank money. Yeah, mm-hmm. having that remote job is huge. That's cool. And then that was
0: the coolest thing too is for anyone listening that is newly remote because I know COVID has sent a lot of people remote. You guys, you can pick up and move anywhere. So like it was tearful driving across I-70. No offense to Kansas City, but in my opinion, Denver is cooler. I didn't <laughs> want to leave Denver. But I had the ability to buy in a low-cost area because my boss simply could write a letter saying Sarah can live anywhere.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. So what was this the were you journaling? Were you a journalist? Was that the job?
0: So no, I actually was a recruiter for a real estate focused company. So this was really cool. All of my clients were top real estate agents all across the country, and we helped them staff their team. So little did I know, but I was getting insight into the country's top real estate agents, their business, how they were lead generating, the technology they were using, and their team organizational structure. And then I learned every single role super in depth, or at least enough to interview someone. So while I never want to be a transaction coordinator, I could interview transaction coordinators all day long and tell you which ones are worth their weight in gold and which ones aren't. Because we placed in my time there, I placed 270 staff members in brokerages and on individual teams all across the U.S. and Canada. Wow! Okay. Wow! That's and awesome. I lived in Brazil, Portugal, Argentina, oh, yeah. Mexico while doing it. So,
2: okay. so now you're so you're doing. Did you end up doing the, the the stack? Did you complete it?
0: I did. So my next property, property number three also came 2 years later. So I want to be clear to your to your listeners that this was not like a get rich quick scheme, right? Mm-hmm. I bought one. I didn't people ask like, "Oh, do you wish you had bought more?" Well, yes, but I also was like living my best life. Right. in right, South right. America and I wasn't made of money. Like working remotely in 2015, there wasn't, you know, six-figure jobs lined up on Indeed. I was making 50, 55,000. Um, so it took a little while, right? So two years mm-hmm. later, I bought that duplex. Then two years later, I bought a fourplex.
1: Love it. Okay.
2: Awesome. Yeah. And, I, you know, this isn't get rich quick. That's so true. Thanks. Thanks for pointing that out, right? Because things you see online could be misleading, right? Yeah. There's certain strategies you can make some good hits, some good checks here and there quickly, but this is a long game.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. then that summer, I bought a lot of real estate. So I bought a fourplex, a duplex, a duplex, and a fourplex in 90 days.
2: Okay. Let's talk about that then. <laughs> That's a big jump. So it was a big jump. You three, up? three properties over four ish mm-hmm. right? And then you yep. went from how many in 90 days?
0: So I went from owning three units to 15 units in 92 days.
2: So what's, what's the key component there? What's the difference that makes the difference? Like what turned it on?
0: Making a decision that I am a real estate investor. So okay. what do real estate investors do? They analyze markets. Then they analyze deals. Then they build relationships with investor-friendly agents. They hang out with real estate investors. They talk about real estate. Unfortunately, sometimes you fire some of your friends because they don't want to hear you talking about this anymore. Or -hmm. they call you, you know, oh, you're you're a landlord. That sounds terrible. So I surrounded myself with real estate investors. And I saw, okay, that guy's doing it. And that girl's doing it. I think I got what it takes to do this. And, and then I made a decision. I was like, every single day, I'm a real estate investor. Attention, all female investors. As Rhea is excited to announce, our good friends are coming to town. Don't miss out on the InvestorCon event in Scottsdale, Arizona on May 18th and 19th. Join us for two days of networking, workshops, and keynote speeches from successful female investors. Attend InvestorCon and make valuable connections and gain the confidence you need to take your investing to the next level. Don't wait. Click on the link in the show notes and get more details and the best pricing for InvestorCon in Scottsdale, Arizona on May 18th and 19th, or visit asria.org backslash calendar to secure your spot. We can't wait to see you there.
2: There you go. That's what it is. It's right there. People overthink it, like. I know you're gonna chime in, Marcus. Me, and Marcus, mm-hmm. know when we're about to say something. We've been doing, this yeah. You see his mind spinning. So,
3: because I was gonna say that was one of the things that I had to do even before I was a real estate investor. Every mm-hmm. day, I would say, "I am a multi-million dollar real estate investor," and this is before I even had my first property or anything like that. And like you said, once you make your mind up to do it your mind start finding ways in order to put things together. And then people start coming into your sphere of influence to where you look up. Now you have 19 units, you have, you know, 30 units and things like that. So it's like you said, it's making that mind up to say, this is what I'm going to be. And this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I
0: made, I made mistakes. So earlier, before I bought that fourplex, I was looking in nine markets. I was talking to like, 20 agents, I was so scattered because the number one question that I get asked now is what's the best market? Where should I invest? Mm-hmm. You you guys, we live in a world where I can Google best chapstick or best hairbrush or best Thai restaurant to take my boyfriend to, but you can't Google best market. The best market is going to depend on your strategy, how much money you have, your location, in my case, not my location, but where you want to be mm-hmm. investing And then also like, how involved do you want to be? So I one thing I did with those new units is I pivoted and I started doing furnished rentals because I had time. And I believe in delayed gratification. Whereas sometimes I get people, really high net worth individuals, they're like, okay, I want to make a bunch of money in real estate because I want to spend more time with my wife and kids. So I want to own nine Airbnbs and self-manage. And I'm just like, No, like that (laughs) doesn't align. (laughs) Right. And and so I had to get really clear on my strategy. So I wanted to house hack one more time before I quit my job. And I wanted to try furnished rentals and I really wanted to do a burr. And so I made really clear criteria for each of those strategies. I narrowed down on two markets, two new markets, Omaha and Des Moines. And then every day I talked to real estate agents in those markets and analyzed deals that only matched those investing strategies.
1: That's
2: You're making great. this business sound so simple. It really <laughs> yeah. is, right?
0: But what if it was, Mike? Like, what if it wasn't that hard? <laughs> no.
2: But Man. you know what the key thing,
3: Sarah, is you had focus. You, One of the things you said is you knew exactly what you wanted to do. You wanted to burn and you wanted to do furnished rentals. So you started looking just at that. What markets can I go into where I can do this? And what deals can I look at that will provide that for me? Versus, like you said before, is was looking at 19 different markets, dealing with 20 different agents. Once you became focused, then everything start, started to happen for you.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And you have to stop overthinking it. Like at some point, like I, I, I it's bad investing advice, like just pick one. Like imagine mm-hmm. if your parents were like did that with your marriage advice. Oh, just pick one. Like yeah. that's <laughs> bad advice. That's really bad advice. But it's also really great advice. Like you just need to pick a market and then wake up every day and decide to love that person. Oh, wait, we're talking about real estate. Decide <laughs> to love that market. Like it's a decision. Like everything we do in life is a decision. Yeah, so- we
2: had as here at Israel, we call it your investor identity. So once you know your identity as an investor, a lot of these questions get answered. Like, yes. Yeah, so love it. So now you you had a burst of houses you bought over 90 days. Um, so I'm assuming was, were you in town? Were you still nomadic? Did you make it for that decision? Do you like I need to be there? What was yeah. your thought?
0: So I was still living abroad. Um, fast forward, I'm living in New Zealand. And I for a while I was living in a van. So I did do the van life thing in New Zealand. <laughs> so you can picture me in my van, like traversing where the hobbits live. And I was analyzing deals from there. And when I went under contract on a fourplex, I told my agent, I'm like, let's just see if the seller will accept FHA. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you want to move here? And I was like, want is a strong word, but willing, yes, I'm willing to move there. Um, Because in my mind, I thought, you guys know the height of 2021 was no one was accepting FHA if they didn't have to, but it was an off-market deal that my agent found. And so I thought, let's just try it. And if they accept it, Um, I can always switch. I had enough money. I didn't need to do three and a half percent down. I could have done the 25% conventional loan, but I was like, let's just see if they accept it. And if they do, I'm going to move back to the US. I'm going to sell my van and I'm going to be like the queen of Omaha is in my mind, by the way. I was like, I'm going to, because of my very first property, I forgot to mention, I door knocked for that. So that very first property, I was door knocking, um, just literally driving that neighborhood. Um, So bought that off-market with no agent, um, then bought the second one, you know, remote with an agent. But the third one I, I bought with an agent and I thought, you know, if I move back to Omaha and I just crush it for nine months of the year, then I could leave every winter and, you know, go to South America. That was, that was my plan. And, and sure enough, they accepted. So they accepted my offer. I bought that simultaneously, I was sending really similar text messages to an agent in Des Moines, like with my deal criteria. Okay. And I'm a person of my word. I said, if you send me something like that matches my criteria, like I have the money, I will buy it. Well, he was like four weeks later and I just was like tail between my legs, like, shoot, like, I don't, I'm a little stressed about this, but my, my accountability group, which is other real estate investors that I met with Probably bi-monthly, bi-weekly. Um, they said you got to do it. Like you, you said you would do it. Figure it out. Figured out how to finance it. So I bought two duplex from him, and then because I did move back to Nebraska, I yes, I moved from New Zealand to Nebraska. I ended up door knocking my neighbor, and buying the fourplex off of him. So now I have two fourplexes next door to each other and two duplexes next door to each other.
2: Love it. Yeah. So. Confidence and believe in yourself, make a decision, hang out with the right friends, Yeah, know what you want, accountability.
0: And functioning in the fear. So I want it to be clear to everyone. Like I was still scared, confident. Yeah, I am confident because I know I can figure anything out. But of course I was scared. Like I bought four multifamily properties, like within essentially weeks of each other.
2: Is it functioning in fear? Is that how you said it? That's yeah, great. like
0: f- functioning in the fear.
2: Love it. Just taking notes.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, it's it's so so talk about these furnished rentals because now you have them. You're not there. So how are you managing everything? I know you said, okay, I'll pick up the phone, I call, you know, somebody to come and fix this. Tell us one situation where you were like, wow, I wish I was there to handle this.
0: Mm. I think that a lot. I want that to be clear. But, th- but then I also think, so let- let's give an example. So I'm in I'm in Guatemala. I spent a lot of time in Guatemala last year and I had an issue with one of my properties and I knew, I'm like, gosh, I just wish I had like someone inexpensive that I trusted that could go just check this out instead of me paying a $150 an hour handyman, right? Mm-hmm. But then I stopped and I'm like, really, Sarah? Like you're gonna be thinking frugal thinking scarcity mindset like one i'm not a better handyman than any of my handymen right. <laughs> any of my contractors and for me to go check on a property i would have to uber to the airport fly on a plane have a layover cuz no one's flying remote to omaha i mean direct to omaha right then i'd have to either rent a car so you go through like the logistics of actually you going there and then you're like okay never mind i'm going to pay that $150 an hour handyman all day long so it's all mindset. And then, of course, budgeting, like $150 an hour. That money is real money. So you yeah. have to have reserves. And so if it gives people peace of mind to have extra reserves on the properties that they do out-of-state investing, they can do that. But I think it's really key to have people on the ground that you trust.
2: Okay. Sorry. It's on the ground. So
3: how did you find these handyman and these different remote remote markets? Um.
0: So the first thing I do well, is I, first of in. all,
3: sorry, mm-hmm. not to cut you off, but how did you find a handyman that you
0: could trust? <laughs> I, uh, trust I don't have an answer were. to that. I don't have an answer to that question. <laughs> 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 no, jo- jokes aside, networking. So being friends with other real estate investors that invest in the market you invest in is key because you don't need an arborist day one. But then all of a sudden, when you have a dead tree or a tree fall down, all of a sudden you're finding yourself Googling arborist in Des Moines, or you can just text all the real estate investors that you know. And sure enough, one of them has an arborist. So I think it's so key to make friends with other real estate investors.
2: Yep. Okay. Sweet, sweet. So you you have all your rentals, um, co-living, furnished rentals. Do you have any traditional Rentals right now, like just we single. Do.
0: Yep. So out of the 19 units, 10 are here long-term, unfurnished, and nine are furnished. And I choose to do what I call the medium-term rental strategy. So that is 30 days or more. Okay. The reason I do that is it's increased cash flow more than a long term. Mm-hmm. And then in these winter months, there's not a lull like there would be with short-term rentals. So today, like I'm fully occupied in all seven of my furnished rentals in Omaha and they're all travel nurses. So they're going to stay for 90 days or 13 weeks, which is the length of their contract. So I love it, you guys, because once you make sure the cleaner goes and you know everything's automated, right? They make a booking, my cleaner's texted, I'm texted. It's all automated, but it still takes up mind space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you have a turnover every two, three days, that's a lot of mind space. Yeah. Yeah. But for yeah. me, the tenant stays in on average 92 days. And so for about 87 of those, it's just pure silence.
2: <laughs> it's true. In, is there, do you use FurnishFinder? Is there like a certain way that you gather these clients?
0: I list on Airbnb mm-hmm. and FurnishFinder.com. And right now I'm actually getting better traction on Airbnb than FurnishFinder. Finder. But this time last year, it was the opposite. So we'll see if it just has to do with algorithm or what it might be. But I am 100% occupied in two of my nine units, meaning the nurses extended from three months to six months. And then I had a same day turnover. So they were 100% occupied in 2022. And then the seven that were not 100% occupied, they were at 97% occupancy.
3: Wow. Wow. Wow you i mean this is this is great stuff sarah i wish we had more time with you but you are going to be here in the phoenix market coming up in may am i correct or is it that, march
0: that's right in may
3: in may okay kind of wrapping up tell us about you know you going to patagonia and taking people to on African safaris kind of let's wrap up with that with that good news.
0: Yeah, so as you guys have seen like travel is always this like theme in my life. Even when I'm buying real estate, I'm always traveling. Sometimes I'm traveling to the market to see the property, but sometimes I am buying things sight unseen. And I think this started to catch some people's eye. They're like, "Okay, how do you do this? How do you build a real estate portfolio?" Because I think what a lot of people do is they build their passive income and then they retire and maybe go on a year long trip mm. or a, a great vacation with their spouse. But I just never stopped living my dream life. I just found a way to pay for it. And then people started asking me, Hey, I want to travel like you. And so Marcus, you, you might text me and say, okay, I really want to go to this place. And then we, I check in with you six months later and how many flights have you bought? None. Zero. Yep. I'm like, what, what is going on? And so finally I got frustrated enough. I'm like, all right, you guys. If I plan a trip, will you guys just come on it? And unanimously, oh, everyone said yes. <laughs> wow, that's good. That's so good. last yeah, so last year uh, I started a new company, and my company, Invested Ventures, we did seven events last year, cool. um, all over the U.S. and um, abroad. And then this year, twenty twenty three, we actually have seven events between January and June.
2: Wow, where um, are you going?
0: So a group is right now hiking Patagonia. I am not there because I didn't just break my arm. I have annihilated my arm. I
1: broke
0: broke every bone in my arm about seven weeks ago. Oh my. So yeah. So I'm not in Patagonia, but my company is with 11 investors. In two weeks, we're taking a second group to Patagonia. And in January, I always do a goal setting retreat in a new location. So I had a goal setting retreat in Guatemala. Cool. My a group from last year actually had a reunion trip this year. So that shows you like that people really enjoy this. And what I love about that reunion trip is that two of the people on that trip now invest together doing burrs and a third person from their group is their private lender. I think so- you say
2: I'm married.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, you guys, I'm really good matchmaker business. Do not let me set you up with someone romantically. Like, I haven't figured out my own dating life. Do not come to me for matchmaking.
3: <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's very good for, like you said, the whole networking. And now you got investors working together and teaming up. And
0: and it's also creates this incredible camaraderie because we go on a trip together and let's say we hike something together, right? So like now you're seeing me vulnerable, like out of breath, out of shape. So we have this like bonding experience. And then I'm also able to ask you like, okay, Marcus, tell me about your portfolio. Really, how'd you finance that? Huh, I think I'm interested in that. Then weeks later, when I'm analyzing a deal, I can run the deal by you. And that gives me an extra layer of confidence. Or also there's this amazing like FOMO that happens. So I see that, okay, Mike just bought something. Well, dang it. Now I want to buy something. And so it creates this incredible, I call it the after effect. And then not to mention that we're doing cool things. Like this year, we're also going on an African safari and hiking Mount Kilimanjaro. And then the next week I'm taking a group of women to the South of Italy to look at, actually that's our first trip abroad where we're actually going to look at property because a friend bought a $25,000 olive orchard. So wow. we're going to visit her olive orchard and make our own olive oil wow. and probably buy some properties.
3: <laughs> so Sarah, because you're doing all of this, I'm pretty sure a lot of the women and men that's listening would want to know, okay, how do I get in contact with Sarah? Because she's doing some adventurous things that I'll probably want to partake in. So how how can we get in contact with you?
0: Yeah, they can visit my website. It's sarahdweaver.com or reach out to me on Instagram. Same handle, sarahdweaver.
3: All right. So, Sarah, we're going to make sure we make it a point that when you come into Phoenix that we will make sure we get together. You can come to okay. one of our AzRI events. Guys, uh, members, you hear from Sarah. So when Sarah is here, make sure you walk up to her, introduce yourself. And let's see what we can do, maybe plan a Phoenix trip or something, you know, with you. So, um, I mean, it was a pleasure speaking with you, Sarah, before leaving, give us one word of encouragement for those real estate investors that's kind of sitting on the fence and not knowing what to do right
0: now. Absolutely. What I want someone to do if they're feeling like, oh, I'm feeling stuck or I'm dragging my feet, or even they identify that they're sitting on the sidelines, is reach out to someone that's two steps ahead of you. I think a lot of us reach out to people that are like 10 or 20 steps ahead of us. That person doesn't remember the emotions that you're going through, the fear or the hesitation. And they're probably really busy and maybe even lack a little bit of patience. I know I'm guilty of that, but find someone that's just two steps ahead of you because they are gonna be able to remember every little step of the process that they did that you need to do next. So reach out to someone that's two steps ahead of you. Well, look at okay. that.
2: I could chime in on that really quick because I I can relate. I remember when I wanted to get into raising money and multifamily, I had a I paid a coach, and um, he's like, How many units do you want? I was like, I want 40 units. And he goes, Oh, call me in next weekend when you got the deal on their contract. I was like, <laughs> You know what I mean? I, I was like, uh, My brain's spinning. What do you mean? That's like millions of dollars. Like, what you know, and talking forward, um we came to the realization it was like, Hey man, I, I was thinking too far. He's like, I have 300 units. Like it's, that's in forties, nothing to me, but I didn't put myself in your shoes where, you know, so that that's huge. Yep. Very great yep. point. It is.
3: And then,
0: and then those people are going to be called, I called mine, my board of directors. I have a group of investors that are either where I'm at, maybe they're two steps ahead of me or two steps ahead of me, depending on the, on the week, honestly. And those are my people like when I'm feeling stressed or frustrated or like a ceiling actually fell through in one of my properties while I was abroad. And that was a moment where I was like, "Bah! what do I do? They just level headed with me. They were like, go home, like Uber back to your Airbnb and call your contractor, like stop, stop whining or moaning. Whereas if you, mm-hmm. if you text the wrong friend, then they're going to be like, oh my God, I told you you shouldn't get into real estate. My, That's my. terrible. <laughs> so you have to be so careful who you talk to. So Great.
3: true, so true. So Sarah, thank you so much. We definitely appreciate you spending your time with us because you could be anywhere in the world like you are. <laughs> and we really appreciate your time. And when you are in Phoenix, please come by the office. You know how to find us. We'll definitely love to spend some time with you.
0: That sounds great. Thanks for having me.
3: Okay, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, guys, you know exactly what to do. You got the words of instruction from Sarah. You got the confidence from Sarah. She showed you exactly what to do. Get out there and take action. That's all you need to do is get out there and take action and you will succeed. So this is Marcus Maloney with Mike Del Preet and Sarah Weaver signing off on the Azria show.
2: Thanks for listening to The Azria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to
1: azria.org and learn more about our community.